Welcome to On Repeat, the weekly podcast giving you an insight into the minds of musicians with me, Ellie Rashid. And me, Hattie Winter. In this episode, we're talking to Emma Hall, aka Blue Loop. She is a London-based producer creating electronic music from analog synthesizers and band sound. Foregrounding atmosphere and tone over traditional structure, she follows the IDM blueprint set by the likes of Boards of Canada, crafting otherworldly soundscapes from lush pads, intricate arps and lo-fi beats. She's an enthusiastic advocate of diversity in music, volunteering with the incredible charity Girls Rock London and running synth and music production workshops for the likes of Roly and First Timers Fest. And of course, before we kick off with the interview, Emma has let us share a little snippet from her forthcoming EP. The track is called Before It Begins, and it features the words of the spoken word artist Shakira Art and Sound. So yeah, keep it on repeat with Emma Hall, aka Blue Loop. Before it all begins, purple cuts through the bend. Lightning does not strike twice here, it stands still to illuminate. Path lit through crag and crater. The magnetic breeze discords We edged along the crumbling wall Through shattered haze echoed in the dust So music isn't my main job So I work for a charity during the week But I deliberately work um, four days a week So more or less part-time Which gives me nearly half of the week to be focusing on music projects so I'm kind of balancing the two at the moment um and I create well I mostly create music for myself so I do um electronic music using synthesizers and then building up beats from bits of found sound um and I'm definitely still on a learning journey with that so I decided to start producing my own music about two or three years ago and um, so there's still, I mean, I think I'll be learning it my whole life. I don't think there's a point where you, where you finish that journey. Um, and then alongside that, there are a few kind of, um, collaborations going on, uh, with various friends who are also musicians. And I really like having that balance of focusing on my projects and them just being this very kind of focused activity to do, but then also keeping collaborations as a different way of making music and, yeah, you you learn so much from just observing another person's creative process. And yeah, another person will always come up with an idea that you could never have come up with in a million years and vice versa. Mm. So um, it's nice to still have that type of music making working as well. So did your, um, did your kind of music journey start in Liverpool? That's probably a bit of a grand claim, I would say. Um, well, I guess I haven't actually lived in Wirral or on the Wirral since... I was 18 um, and so like at school I learned a bit of piano I played in a like a samba band the most oh. English non-Brazilian samba band <laughs> you've ever seen. Um, so I think I guess there were sort of hints of things played in a little rubbishy band um, 
but yeah I've, I kind of then left music and didn't do much of it at all whilst I was at uni um, and lived abroad for a while and again wasn't doing much and then it was more when I came back to London where I was like hang on there's this thing I used to like doing. Did anything like kickstart that? It was a weird it was a weird story where um so when I moved back to London it was the first time um in my life that I'd been like okay I'm gonna stay here for a while so I'd saved up um and ended up going to Denmark Street to Wonjo Keys to buy uh just an electronic piano and I was like I'm just gonna play for myself mm. um and then got chatting to the shopkeeper in there and he was like oh we're looking for a synth player in the band <sighs> and I was like what what is a synth (laughs) 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 and uh yeah and so I had like massive performance anxiety and didn't um didn't know if it was actually going to be for me because I remembered like playing music at school and just being too scared and it being very traumatic um but yeah started off with the most simple synth lines you can possibly imagine basically just moving the cutoff filter around um, and that kind of helped me build up the ability to play and actually enjoy playing. Um, mm. So, yeah, that was it was just by freak incident of ch- getting chat into a shopkeeper. <laughs> I feel it's like mad. that's the dream to walk into mm. a music shop on such a famous street in London. Like mm. that is something that's film material right there. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. No, it was very fun. It was very fun. It was this kind of 80s synth pop type bands called private life so we had a lot of fun playing gigs we always had a party vibe oh nice <laughs> uh, yeah so that's um i was i was reading about that so tell us more about private life private life um it was originally a five piece like quite a traditional indie setup and mm. the bass player was a girl called alex who is a volunteer with girls Rock london so there's the girls Rock london connection right okay and um, but yeah, Alex and the guitarist uh, Rupert moved on and that just meant it was me plus uh, the lead singer and guitarist Gus and the drummer Jack. So we turned it into more of like an electronic three piece um, and we sort of ran with that for a few years um, and then it sort of came to a natural conclusion and that was at the point where I was already starting to work on my own stuff individually. Um, but yeah, it was very fun and it was it was great as a way of just kind of building up live experience. So we played all of like the standard indie London venues, like your Shackwell mm. Arms, um, like Isling- uh, what's the one in Camden? I can't remember. There are loads in Camden. We played all the Camden ones. Yeah. But, you know, just like the sort of crappy Wednesday night gigs where three of your mates turn <laughs> up and that kind of thing. But they're important, those ones. <laughs> but they're so good. They're yeah. really important. They're always like... Yeah, fun social occasion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think those kind of things, um, they really are like stepping stones for the stuff that you want to do on your own or when you're trying to sort of navigate your own creative process. Mm. Um, did mm. you feel like there were many aspects musically that you took from private life into uh, for the music mm. that you do now? I mean, sorry. Yeah, I think that um, what was really nice about Private Life was that we had, so we had a lot of synths going on. Um, there was one point where a girl called Jan also joined us. And so we had like four analog synths plus a drum machine on stage and we were creating this very electronic sound, but it was all live. Whereas 
it would have been easier and sometimes we did pop out and use a backing track but at times we were creating <laughs> this fully analog live sound um and so that's definitely stuck with me like I started playing a synth called a mini log with private life and that's still the main one that I use for my own stuff but then it was also blended with live drums and I quite like that blend of um kind of very predictable drum loops and um and kind of arpeggiators on synths but then mixing it up with a quite live um less predictable sound so yeah I think that that definitely came with me but now I'm kind of moving away from that kind of pop song structure and not doing lyrics or anything like that so much what was the thing that that grabbed you about producing was it like you wanted to empower yourself and like make your own beats or what was like the first lesson you learned because I think I think producing is such a great skill it's kind of not really a question but more (laughs) just (laughs) so if you're if you play an acoustic instrument or just a single instrument then you always rely on a, a whole team of other people to actually turn that into a song that is ready to distribute um and so I I guess I was drawn to producing because you can more or less own that end-to-end process. I think it's still useful to have someone else mix it just in a kind of editor-writer relationship. Um, but yeah, I think I, I liked um, having complete ownership of the process and being able to go back and rework things as opposed to going to a recording studio with your synthesizer playing something once and just hoping that was the right take. Um, I'm terrible at that. So that was one element. And then I guess just my music taste is electronic music. I'm in amongst other things, but I think that's definitely one of the main types of music that I like to listen to. So I was basically just imitating people who I thought made made good music already. Um, yeah, I think that's probably why. Yeah, I mean, imitation is the highest form of flattery or whatever the, the yes. phrase is. So <laughs> I think that's, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think you get now like loads of young I want to say kids, but I but they're not kids. Loads of young people being like, I'm going to learn producing just so I can produce, like, make mm. that song. It's mm, the easiest yeah. way to, to start it. Yeah. And I think you asked as well, like, how to go, how I started figuring it out. Because um, mm. I think this is something that is, it's the hardest step, especially for um, groups of people who aren't, like, basically kind of, white cis men who are just mm. like yeah I can do that because I can see all these other men who are doing it and I've mm, got yeah. the I'm just gonna get stuck in and I think that a lot of women especially as I've noticed through Girls Rock London is a bit like oh that seems technical and I don't know where to start and yeah. people get really freaked out whereas actually it's much easier to produce than to learn an instrument well I would say yeah. <laughs> interesting it's a bit of a shortcut um, if you want to be creating music very quickly um but the way that I started it was um a friend of mine Danny works at um Point Blank Music School but basically he's he's really friendly he's really great at explaining kind of getting under the hood of something so when I was first starting I just um every now and then would kind of pay him for two hours of his professional time um, and take him a track and just be like how did the producer do this and then we'd sit and look at logic together and work backwards and kind of take a start with a destination and then work our way towards it. Mm. And through that, he kind of taught me about how various different plugins work, how to create different beats, how to do sampling. Um, 
and I found that much better than going on like a 10-week how to produce music course like it was quicker and it felt as if you were kind of getting to the stage you wanted to be at much in a much more efficient way. talking about um uh male cis men and it being kind of like um I guess like I, I completely agree I think they are more sort of attracted to those kind of roles as producers or anything that seems more technical and it's it's assumed to be more sort of intimidating for um for women um particularly and I wondered about the the flip side of of this as well because so for example I I mean I do a bit of producing probably not as much as you um I also play cricket and I've had (laughs) how how the hell did this come (laughs) into your head but I have um I do have some cis male friends who are like oh like oh like very surprised and almost kind of like like I just wondered like have you faced any of that in in your kind of field like have you ever had people a bit surprised and a bit like oh you're doing that that's different and does that make you feel like it's a kind of weird novelty in a way yeah I I get what you're saying I think I'm in a strange position especially in London in the the music networks that I move around in the communities that I'm part of are just like overwhelmingly biased towards women and non-binary right. people. So yeah. when I kind of look around my peers and the musicians that I'm talking to, I'm just like doing the same as everyone else. That's sick. Um, and so, and also like when I think about different gigs that I've played, they've also been often kind of rooted within those communities. So when I've been out and about in with my producer hat on Mm. (laughs) then I haven't actually encountered um much of what you just described um but definitely when I played in private life and I was the um only girl in that three piece I did find that like you'd rock up at a venue I'd be the only woman doing anything on us on the stage that evening and there'd be Mm. loads of like guys with guitars and <laughs> and they would like they'd turn up and they'd like do a kind of manly handshake or like those weird kind of high five thing mm, with yeah, Gus bro. and Jack and then they'd assume I'm like the girlfriend or something so they just wouldn't acknowledge me and so there was just this kind of default assumption that oh if there's a girl here during the sound check she's just watching she's not part of it holy um, shit and so <laughs> I definitely noticed that um quite a lot but yeah as things are at the moment I don't notice it so much I do notice it with um so I I follow various different tutorial channels on places like Instagram Mm. um, and often they're run by guys and they will be often a bit of a boys club and they'll occasionally post up memes that are just pretty sexist and yeah (sighs) And so I'm always piping up in the comments, like, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> women produce too. But yeah, it's not something that I come across too much in, in everyday life. 
Oh, I'm so happy to to hear that. I'm sure and, it happens, um, though. It definitely happens. It's so heartwarming to hear that you've actually selected and made made the conscious decisions to be involved in those kind of groups where you kind of don't have to mm. worry about that thing. I think it really yeah. improves your life, and that's something that I'm sure mm. um, I'm sure you'll agree about Girls Rock London. Mm. It just facilitates that kind of space where it's the it's the best week of your life because you yeah. just you're just there <laughs> yeah. and you're like, this is how I want the world mm. to feel all the time because mm. you just feel like you're on everyone's on the same level. Yes. it's there's yeah. no hierarchy, mm-hmm. and everyone is is empowered it like it really is like that it sounds utopian but it really Mm -hmm. is like that for the whole week so you you met um was it Alex you said from private life Mm -hmm. and did they introduce you to Girls Rock yeah so I remember it was like two or three years ago and we were in Hyde Park on a sunny day back when the world was normal (laughs) and she uh she was kind of yeah getting set to be doing this camp and she was like oh you should do it you should be a synth tutor and at that point I kind of I thought I've got nowhere near the right credentials to be a proper tutor at a music camp because when you actually hear that you think you're gonna have to be grade eight on something or you know (laughs) And she was, I think it was difficult for me to understand the vibe of the camp just by her describing it to me. But I took a real, um, I just kind of thought, right, I'm going to put myself out there. What's the worst that can happen? Um, and then was really glad that, um, I mean, the community invites everyone to get involved. You know, it's Absolutely. not that you're picked <laughs> yeah. out of a long list of people. Like if you want to be involved, you can be. Um, so yeah, I volunteered at my first camp two years ago. Yeah, like the Maybank holiday two years ago it was the women, the adults camp. Kind of coming coming into that group was just like life changing. Yeah, really was. I I, yeah. I completely believe you. I mean, after I've I did it last year, and I really do think it's changed my life. It's really been nice to kind of retain this sense of community and keep having discussions. And Hattie, you should you should try it. It is life changing. Yeah. Like it yeah. actually hey, is. I will. Hopefully, there's not like an upper age limit. Um, but I was going to say, for those that don't know what Girls Rock London is, probably describe what it is, because I, I do know like a little bit about it, but I'm sure loads of people mm. like never heard of it. That is a good, that is a good point. Do you want to give it a go, Emma? I'll give it a go. I really don't <laughs> want, I don't want to let the leaders down because they do such a great elevator pitch for the charity. They do. And I've not been trained recently. Um, but I mean, I guess the charity starts, it doesn't start from a point of music. It starts from a point of self-esteem and confidence building. So the charity's mission is to build the self-esteem amongst um, girls and trans girls and non-binary youth and also through into adults. Um, and there's a real recognition that being creative musically is a thing which can very effectively build that confidence. Mm. Um, mm. So that's where the idea for um, these very intensive, not inten- well, they are intense emotionally, but they're not intense in terms of you must play perfectly by the end of the week, but they're kind of very condensed music camps where over the course of a long weekend or a week, you learn an instrument, form a band, write a song, play a gig in the mm. space of that week. So it really tears down the idea that you must be 
you know, grade eight or super skilled yeah. or, mm. um, yeah, a genius at this instrument before anyone will accept listening to what you have to play or what you have to say. I think what's, what's another really admirable trait of the Girls Rock London charity and the movement is that it's a movement that kind of accepts it needs to keep on growing and keep on learning. So Ellie, you'll have seen in the WhatsApp group, there's a big conversation about female drill music going on and how can we kind of take this um, very new trend um, that's happening amongst young people in London and bring it into our camp so that we're not just saying, oh, here is a guitar, play something that sounds like Oasis. Uh, so it's it keeps growing and, and I guess that it's helpful for me to just have my ear into that even if it doesn't if I don't directly reflect it in the type of music that I make um but it has led to kind of some really fun experiments so um Shakira who's one of the um other volunteers she's a drum tutor at camp she does a lot of spoken word and then after we both played a, a showcase last year we both really liked what each other was doing and so we then collaborated and suddenly you've got an electronic quite ambient track but you've got Shakira's poetry over the top of it and I would definitely not have thought to have done that had it not been for that melting point melting pot of um, the different genres and types of people that come into girls work useful well maybe not I don't know do you use youtubers or just instagrammers or um a bit of both yeah a bit of both um I just wondered like who they were or anything you particularly enjoyed oh um so there's there's one instagrammer um called Aubrey Whitfield I don't know if you know about her she's really cool she's very inspirational yeah she's from the Wirral so she's from the same same place (laughs) as me um, and I remember coming across her when she just had like a couple of thousand followers and messaging her and being like, I'm for the world too. <laughs> Be my friend. Uh, but her, her, um, online presence has really exploded. And I think it's because she, mm. she posts really useful content. It's always informative, but she also shows mm. her own journey and her own vulnerabilities, um, in terms of how long it's taken to build herself up as a producer. Um, and I think what's interesting is that in terms of the type of music she produces, I'm not that bothered about it. It's, you know, we're, we're working in different spaces in terms of what our taste is, mm. but just in terms of her technical dedication to production and her weight, her ability of share and sharing it in a way that's easy to understand, I, I find really helpful. Yeah, I really like her. I love her Instagram. Um, I stalk her quite a lot for my work. And then like over 10 years, she's made this amazing studio for herself. But she didn't, she's very honest. It shouldn't start off like that. And no one does. Um, and, you know, no one really, no one really, no one really should, arguably. I think it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like a crazy thing to have so much expensive equipment that you haven't yet learned how to use. Yeah. And I think there's, there's, a, a trap you can fall into of thinking oh my music will be better if I get the next expensive thing and get this synth and get this plugin mm-hmm. I think if you learn to learn your kind of skill set with a very small set of tools then that means that at the core of what you're doing there's there's more to it um, and yeah you just become a better producer mm-hmm. that way I think 
I say that because I don't have <laughs> loads of stuff. So I'm like, I'm doing fine without all of these fancy speakers. <laughs> what is your like studio studio setup? Yeah, so I've, I've basically just got a bit of a setup in my room back in London. And so I've got I've got my MacBook, which has got Logic and Ableton on it. And so I use Logic for production of songs and I use Ableton for live performance. Broadly, that's the split. Or I kind of jump between the two. Um, And then I've got two analog synths. So I have the mini log and then I have an old vintage Juno 106 that I really treated myself to a couple of years ago. And they work really nicely together because one properly sounds like your sort of Stranger Things 80s vibe. And then one is a bit more, has a bit more of a cutting edge modern sound. Mm. Um, So I have those two things. And I've got a bunch of little toys that I've acquired. <laughs> so I've got one of like, I've got one of the little pocket operator oh, yeah. um, drum synths and um, one of the Roly Seaboards mini block things. So I, I did a workshop for women in tech with them a year or so mm. ago. And so that was kind of my um, payment, if you like, <laughs> for the workshop. Um, but I've had loads of fun with it and it's it's great for live performance as well because it's so responsive to the different ways in which you touch it. Mm. It's not like a normal keyboard. These um these tech workshops that you're talking about sound really cool. Are you where did you do that and are you gonna be doing any more, do you think, in the future? I, I think, want down. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do one in the future. Um I I guess lockdowns put everything on hold for the time being. But I should probably think about how I can share the things that I know virtually as well um I guess I mean most of it does come through the Girls Rock London community so every now and then there will be someone who pops up on the WhatsApp saying we're looking for people to lead the workshops or um they know someone who knows someone and so all of the opportunities come through the Girls Rock London volunteer network I mean including chatting to you folks today right so um so I mean it makes the lives simpler for the people who are part of that network because you can just um build up your skills very easily and and share what you know very easily um so yeah there was a bit of a flurry of different workshops um over the course of last year so there was the Roly women in tech one which was just a whole day of different women in music sharing what they knew and they'd kitted it out really well so you know everyone was set up with um laptops that had all the software on to actually like follow along in real time they had oh, loads wow, of like synths to try out yeah it was incredible oh wow that's very well yeah. out I've, I've put on similar workshops like that for my work and it that gets expensive very quickly yeah so but I think at the same time like I've done um first timers workshops at DIY space where you know you're really cobbling together things <laughs> for free and they, I mean, you end up with kind of a similar result from from both ways of doing things because if you've got people who care about it at the centre, then you'll find a way to make it work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those things are so much fun, especially when they have the kind of female slant because you just sort of see people's eyes lighten up who've never realised how easy mm. it is. Mm. Um, and so to be able to just kind of give people that spark and then um, and then just see what comes out of it in the long term is is awesome definitely um I was this kind of like steers away actually from a few things we've been talking about but I wanted to get back to your music for a second and actually um your the name that you use um 
blue loop. So it's blue mm. loops sound or blue loops. It's blue loop. Yeah, blue, blue just loop. one blue loop. Blue yes. loop, which I which I really love actually, and um, coming up with a name, whether it's for yourself or with a band or whatever, is a pain. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the bottom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and um, yeah. How did you find that, and um, how did you come up with the name? Um, by looking through the science pages on Wikipedia. <laughs> really? <laughs> 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 um, so. Basically, like when I when I first started this project, um, it was sort of all captured on a blog, and the blog was called SheMakesSounds.com, um, and so that was before I'd actually kind of finished any tracks of my own, and I just decided I'm going to document this journey of learning to produce. Mm. So I did that, and I played a few gigs using that same name of She Makes Sounds. Um, but then I think I once the music was starting to become its own thing and there was this kind of clear personal project, I kind of wanted to move away from um, a name that was obviously gendered and just kind of have it as something that is just its own thing. So I, yeah, I started just clicking around like all of the pages to do with like space on Wikipedia, you know, like outer space. Yeah. Um, because I guess if you think about a name like floating points and that kind yeah. of thing, it's taking um, something that is in out there in science or maths and just stealing it. <laughs> and so I found this page about um, something, a phenomenon called a blue loop, which is um, basically, I'm going to explain this so badly because I don't <laughs> have a PhD in physics. Don't worry, um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it's kind of like a point where if a star is cooling down, um, sometimes it will have this sudden flare up of life and before it then properly dies. <laughs> and it creates this thing on the graphs that monitor it that gets called a blue loop. Um, and it's a quite a beautiful curve. Like if you Google blue loop and look at the actual image, it's a really beautiful. I'm <laughs> yeah, have a look. Um, and then I like it because obviously my music is based around loops um, and then also this idea of a kind of sudden flare up of life of an activity out of nothing is seems like a really nice idea to me. And the reason you've got lots of found sounds um, and I'd love to talk about mm. where you find the found sounds. Ooh, um, anywhere and everywhere. So I, <laughs> I just record them on my phone and if I ever hear an interesting um noise or sound then I will yeah just stop and if, especially <laughs> if I'm walking with someone I'm like you just you just go on ahead but I'm gonna stand here with my phone for a minute oh, wow. and then um and then I try to name it as rationally as I can but often I'll just kind of look back and um <laughs> have no clue what it was but yeah if I just I'll just kind of look up ones that I've done recently I've there's been a lot of like um park stuff recently mm. Oh yeah, there was um I was cooking some sausages a few weeks ago and like the sound of like the sizzling and the spitting mm. was um absolutely mad. So I just like recorded two minutes worth of that and I want to use that to make some like spitty percussion or something. I don't know. How would you this is really interesting because I was actually thinking about doing this for mm. a project and I was thinking, do you so do you take that recording from your phone? And then upload it onto mm. your onto what 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 program do you use? 
Yeah, so I'd normally upload it into Logic. Yeah. Um, and then within Logic, I mean, you can do so much different yeah. stuff to it. So you can use flex time to make it longer or shorter and change the speed. Um, you can just do whatever, you know, you can reverse mm. it. You can just make it pretty much unrecognizable from what it was originally. And often I'll just muck around and I won't really be doing it with much of a specific like intention in mind I'll just kind of play around with it until it sounds very unique or is going to fit within the texture of the track that I'm building and then and then just go from there but you might have like a two minute recording but decide to use like a quarter of a second Mm. of it and then Mm. turn that into your percussion session section Mm. so yeah or you might decide okay I just want this to be this atmospheric thing that goes on the two minute loop all the way through yeah. and it's just this incidental thing in the background um yeah no I don't really have a set way of doing <laughs> it just kind of look around and click until it until I want to stick with oh, it I know a guy who he was using loads of found sounds his track was going to be like his journey to the airport and, and like the flight and then his time in the city he was in and then like the mm. transport back it's so nice to have like a focus for a project like that to kind of constrain yourself in that way because the hardest thing with found sound and with electronic music in general is like where the hell do you start and where do you finish and so to kind of say okay on this trip I'm gonna make a track that kind of fits within the within like that experience yeah that sounds like a great thing so do do you not start with like a a thing like that like a parameter of of your music is it kind of like you're just going to take it wherever it Mm. wherever it goes I guess I, I I try lots of different ways of um, starting and finishing a song. Uh, my friend, actually, you might know Hannah Stacey. Uh, she's also a Girls at London volunteer. Um, so she actually created this um, inspo generator, she called it, where it's basically this page online and you refresh it and it gives you a tempo, a key signature, um, like what t- what instrument you're going to create first what part you're going to create first and then a mood and it'll just give you a random combination and then you have to those are your kind of limits um and sometimes you'll create something mm. and it will be really interesting and you want to develop it and sometimes it will be genuinely terrible <laughs> but you know I think that it's I often just try and start with little sketches um and then there'll be ones where I kind of revisit it a couple of weeks later and think actually yeah there's something in that and then start developing it um so yeah that's normally the structure that I would go for and quite often if I if I find like a beat or a chord progression that sounds interesting and I'm happy with that there's kind of a technique that I found quite helpful uh where I'll just try and like twist one element of it to kind of shake it out of its comfort zone and um, so there's a um, track that's up on my SoundCloud that's called Under. And originally it was kind of an eight bar cycle um, and it's very chilled out. And then all I did was kind of turn it into a 10 bar cycle. So I just made it, made that cycle last a little bit longer than you're expecting and just cycle this 10 bar thing. And so immediately it stops being kind of in that sort of poppy structure, but it still is easy to listen to. So it just kind of, gets your ears attention and you're not quite sure why unless you're literally counting the bars as they happen and so that's like a 
that's quite a fun way that I've found to just be creating music that I like, but also feels if it's got its own individuality about it. It's just trying to twist one thing to make it beyond what I just would have made in my kind of close box mindset. And once you've like cut the sample, how do you... I'm trying to work out how you get from like this one bit, whether it's like a, I don't know, I'm trying to work mm. out how you get to like a track. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, mm. yeah. I think maybe I just don't think that way. So I find it such an abstract concept because I just don't understand how you go from like mm. a sizzle of a sausage to then like, like <laughs> listening to your SoundCloud, like how you go to then like fully formed pieces of music. I love, I love it by the way. Like I, I love that kind of idea of like finding new sounds and mm. creating that mm. way I just wanted to chip in to, to say mm. that like I'm just like it's lovely yeah I mean I, it's really difficult to like unpick your own process because mm. when you look back because you end up spending so many hours on things each time you go back to your computer you might be like okay I'm gonna put a chord progression over this or I'm gonna like work on this section and work on like building the rhythm up to a drop or something like that not that my music has many drops <laughs> it has things that in my head are drops and then I play it to my friends and they're like sounds really chilled out to me and I'm like did you not hear the drop but it always ends up being quite chilled um but yeah each time you come back you'll work on a new section or you'll add a new layer in and then suddenly I guess you find what I normally find is that I've created this enormous Frankenstein's monster that's got way too much going on in it and so many different ideas all layered up and squashed into two or three minutes and then once you've kind of got all of the ideas and creativity just layered up um it's a case of just like stretching Mm. it back out and being quite brutal with the stuff that even if you enjoyed making at the time doesn't have a place in the track anymore um so yeah that's kind of how I'd end up doing it is that yeah you end up with way too much stuff and then you cut back maybe um but it changes for each track and I'm quite interested to try out um so I don't know if you've listened to much rival consoles he's an electronic producer he he does this interesting thing if you go on his Instagram he um he works on the structure of his songs as these kind of shapes and it almost looks like some kind of modern art um, where it's kind of a line and the line kind of grows or shrinks and that shows him he kind of maps out for electronic music the structure using these geometric shapes I'm describing this terribly you'll have to have this <laughs> Instagram um, but I do I quite like that idea of like with electronic music because it's not like verse chorus middle eight and all that kind of thing to actually see it in terms of okay, we're going to start quiet and then build it up to something that's busy and then draw it back down again, or are we going to start big? Um, And to just think about it in terms of the movement within the song is probably the best way to draw that out. Um, But yeah, I'm bad at planning it at the start. I normally just, I'll get three minutes in and I'll listen to it from the start to that three minute point and then think, as a listener, where do I want want that to go next? am I like dying for a drop or do I want everything to be stripped out? Um, and so I'll just kind of switch to listener mode and then just basically go for like the gratification of what I want to hear as a <laughs> <Yeah>. listener. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it's really, it's really hard to switch to listener mode, I think. And mm. we have the same thing, don't we, Hattie, of like when you've been creating something or when you've listened to it, to actually get that 
sort of fresh set of ears mm. on it and be in a different mm. space to review your work it's really hard mm. how do you kind of think right I'm in listener mode now I'm gonna be objective about my work now probably just leaving some space between when you're working on things and when you listen back is probably yeah. good and um, and then it's also helpful to put it on a different like set of speakers or if you've been working on it with your headphones listen to it in the real world or vice versa or just kind of listen to it whilst you're um traveling somewhere on the train mm. or just kind of put yourself in the places where you normally listen to other people's music mm. and just be like oh my track came up on shuffle and just see if your ears lap it up or if you're yeah. just like what the hell is this <laughs> yeah um, that's a really good yeah. idea yeah like so just and I, I guess I do the same thing with my a friend who is um an author so if he's sending me a draft of his book to read it will be in pdf but I put it on my kindle so that it feels <laughs> like I'm reading a, a real book yeah. <laughs> it is a real book but yeah I think you can just sort of trick yourself into yeah. being a consumer of art by put slotting it into those settings um and there'll be days there'll be days where you listen back to it and you'll just hate it <laughs> and then there'll be days where you listen back to it and you're like oh th- three months ago when I was making that I was a genius <laughs> I could never do that now <laughs> and you just kind of go between the two and you can't you don't know which it, it just depends on the day it really depends on the day <laughs> exactly um so you're making electronic music but do you does all of your do all of your influences lie in that genre um no they don't and I think I'm inspired by a lot of genres where I just can't even fathom the musical talent that goes into them um so I guess I listen to like bits of like jazz type music um and I listen to like more kind of bands and um more of your kind of alternative like yeah indie bands not indie bands what am I talking about this is a question I was most terrified of being asked because I'm terrible at describing influences honestly Um, don't one thing actually one thing that I found really helpful um that I sort of fell into a a few months ago is um so I do think it's very easy to fall into a rut of like listening to electronic music or like the bands that you like Mm. or jazz or like whatever your set genres are and to feel like very like yeah like blinkered by Mm. that um uh, some friends were have been working on this blog project called the music map Mm. where they were aiming to um so their ultimate goal was to be blogging about kind of up and coming or like underground or interesting music in every country in the world um and that you go onto their website and you've got a world map and you can click to see you know what's being played in georgia or what's being played in ecuador and they reached their goal a few weeks ago and they made a playlist that has a song from every country in the world. Amazing. But it's all like kind of music that is interesting now and it's been made by people who are like in that country's music scene now. So it's not like, oh, Germany, we have craft work. Yeah. Like it's stuff that's kind of more on the pulse. Um, and I found that was a really helpful playlist to listen to just to kind of open my ears and start thinking beyond just like boards of Canada and <laughs> you know the the kind of standard stuff that I'd I'd normally listen to and kind of aspire to sound like. Um, there was one band in particular. So the the Czech Republic entry on this playlist was this uh, band called like oh what are they called um 
I definitely can't pronounce it right, but it's like Corgen, like K-O-R-J-E-N. And it's basically, they're formed in the Czech Republic, but it's three uh, women from different Eastern European countries. And they sing in quite a traditional way. But then the music that is alongside that is a little bit rocky. It's a little bit jazzy, but it's got this like very in your face, like Eastern European, quite often quite grating vocals. Mm. Um, but it's so fascinating to hear like a quite a traditional unusual way of singing but fused with more modern music making mm-hmm. techniques and it yeah it just kind of like just lifted me out of this um rut that I was in in terms of just listening to lots of electronic to in something that felt really refreshing to listen to and just challenged you in terms of thinking do I want to be using more vocals in my music or these chord progressions like how can I go and magpie them and so yeah that mm. sometimes I'll just kind of come across those little discoveries and just go down a rabbit hole with them yeah that's I think that's a really good way of being do you think you'll ever write lyrics um so the thing also volunteering at Girls Rock London camps is that the participants on the camps the young people especially are so good at writing lyrics they are so good they're like very uninhibited but they have like a real sense of poetry and rawness and every time I hear these young people writing lyrics I'm like I'm not a lyricist (laughs) because it just doesn't come naturally Um, and I did like a couple of songs that I wrote and wrote lyrics for um with private life but it I always just felt like uncomfortable with that um but I am trying to do um like experiment a bit more with vocals and vocal harmonies. Um again, just trying to imitate these Eastern European really close, quite grating harmonies. So I'm trying to play around with that. But at the moment I'm either just doing like oohs and ahs on my tracks or I'm or I'm like doing covers so I didn't write the lyrics myself. Um but I think oh it's such a skill and whenever I write anything I ah uh, it's not it's not good it's not good my friends <laughs> it's really it's really difficult though to to mm, review lyrics yeah. i i find the same thing it's it's difficult to mm. have real faith in your lyrics i think a lot of the time but i also think in girls rock i think you're totally right about people just writing amazing lyrics and i think that part of that is the validation and the support which encourages them to just go with it and that is a huge thing and I think that's just a huge thing about being a musician and putting your music out there in general just validation of your ideas to allow you the freedom to carry on and I think lyric writing is the same right it is um and yeah I've got massive respect for people who are good at lyrics and who kind of I think being good at lyrics is probably equivalent to being able to be very vulnerable and share very personal experiences um and so I think there's probably stuff that if you're going to become a good lyricist you have to be okay with sharing that side of yourself um and with kind of producing music that's instrumental you can just be you can separate that presentation of yourself with like your presentation of your music um so yeah, I think it would be quite a big undertaking to be like, okay, that this is a different side of things that I'm going to explore now. I haven't quite um, got myself there yet. Maybe one day. 
thanks so much to Emma, aka Blue Loop, for the interview. We'll definitely be keeping her on repeat. Blue Loop will be releasing her debut EP, Grand Illusion, later this year. It's an immersive journey of ambient soundscapes and sampled beats and features a collaboration with musician and spoken word artist Shakira Art and Sound, all made on her Juno 106 and Minilog. You can listen to her music on blueloopsounds.com or find her on SoundCloud at Blue Loop Sounds. Or head over to her Instagram, Blue Loop Sounds. Again, we'll put all the information in the show notes. We hope you've enjoyed the episode and want to keep us on repeat. You can follow, subscribe and like us on your podcast platform of choice and slide into our DMs on Instagram by following us at On Repeat the Podcast. All information will be included in the show notes. On Repeat was made, produced and edited by us and the theme music is an original piece by Ellie's jazz band Fujiyama and wonderfully resampled by Dee, the producer, for the podcast. All of our guests give us permission to use their music. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to keep it on repeat.